Welcome to episode four of the Thrive Beyond Divorce podcast. My guest today is Robert Merlin, known to me as Bob, who is a collaborative family lawyer in Florida. Welcome, Bob. Ah, good to see you. Good to see you. It's Bob, a pleasure uh, to be with you. And, and likewise, even if it's virtually. <laughs> yeah. um, Bob, I wondered if you, before we start, if you could just give us a little bit of background about yourself and the kind of work that you do. Sure. Um, I've been practicing law for 40 years. Um, my practice now and has been for a number of decades limited to family law. About seven years ago, I decided I was not going to take any more litigated matters. So my practice is limited to peacemaking. Um, I specialize in the collaborative process. I am certified by the Supreme Court of the state of Florida as a family mediator. I prepare a lot of prenuptial agreements and postnuptial agreements, and I help clients negotiate resolutions of their disputes without litigating. I'm also um, a consultant in a co couple of uh, litigated matters, just not arguing before the court, but helping the client um, and hopefully the other side come to yes, come to an agreement and not empower a judge to dictate to the family how their future is going to be lived. And Bob, we might chat another time a bit more about collaborative practice, but today, given the situation that we've got in the world with COVID-19 coronavirus, I really wanted to talk to you about something that I know you lecture on, which is hope. And um, I, I was struck by a quote in the, um, readings that you sent me, which was this, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. And that's a quote by Martin Luther King. And that really struck me at the moment, because I think with the restrictions that are, are facing us all and what's happening in the world, there's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of uh, plans that have had to be cancelled. Um, we're feeling disappointment, but um, Martin Luther King was a, a very special man and uh, had lots of amazing things to say, but I, th that quote in particular, I thought was quite poignant at, at the moment. Right, so we're all humans. We have all sorts of emotions and we're, we are obviously affected by what's going on globally with the, the COVID virus. And we have been forced to live life differently. We've been forced to change our routines, to stay inside cooped up, to stay physically closer to a spouse or children and do more with them than we're used to doing, not have as much independence. Um, and the cloud over everyone is, am I going to get sick and am I going to die because of this worldwide pandemic? Um, and so that creates fear in people. You can either succumb to the fear or take action to limit your exposure and think positively about the future. And I much prefer to, to have hope and think about the future, not losing sight of reality, but looking at that that rainbow in the sky and the bright sunshine that will come again another day and work toward that goal. 
And that's what I do with my clients. And Bob, you, you talk then about the rainbow in the sky. And um, I think it's important that we contrast the difference between happiness, optimism, and hope, because they're not the same things, are they? No. Um, happiness is sort of in the moment, um, and it may be short-lived. Um, optimism is thinking about um, positive things happening, and hope to me is having confidence and believing that sometime in the future, it might be tomorrow, it might be next week, next month, next year, after this dissolution of marriage is resolved, that things are going to be better. Not necessarily perfect, but better than they are now. And we have to, we have to weigh everything that's involved. Um, ideally, when we marry somebody, we intend to stay married for the rest of our lives. Sometimes we find that we've grown apart um, or somebody has char personality characteristics that we didn't know about. Um, somebody makes bad decisions, uh, an extramarital affair, um, and it forces someone into a situation that they did not necessarily plan for, um, but you can still have hope to have a successful, happy life. And I've seen it over and over again with my clients. Um, in fact, on my website, I have a quote and I, and I basic, my attitude is I want my clients to leave my office in better condition that they, than they were in when they came into my office. To me, that is sending a message of hope to my clients. Yes, it's very difficult now, but stay focused, be rational, and things will be better and you should have hope for your future and the future of your family. It's interesting you say that, Bob, because when people ask me why I'm a family lawyer, I, I talk about wanting them to be better at the end of the process than they were in the beginning. And I have a number of clients who I've met years on and they're glad that they got divorced because they could reflect back and see um, that now they've got so much more hope and uh, their future is brighter than it was when they were in an unhappy marriage. And obviously we want marriages to work and we encourage people to have counseling to work through their problems and, and see if there is hope. Uh, but um, a divorce doesn't have to be a, a sad ending. No, and, and it is somewhat of a loss for almost everybody. Um, I've represented some people, I've, I mediate as I said, and so in some of my mediations, the vast majority of them are pro se, meaning that the, the couple does not have any attorneys. I'm the mediator and I'm helping them negotiate a resolution. And a lot of the people who do not have attorneys come to me and they have a positive attitude toward their spouse. They just can't live with their spouse. And for one reason or another, they feel that they have to dissolve their marriage. So I help them sort of focus on their future, have hope for the future, and go through a process that does not do damage to themselves and their relationship and their children, 
um, and, but gets them through the process as quickly as possible. Same thing with the collaborative process, um, focusing on a hopeful future. Divorce doesn't have to be a war. And um, if it is, it's children who are frequently the victims of that war. And uh, I think it's really important that people understand that um, just because you choose to see a lawyer doesn't mean that you're instantly getting a gladiator and, and you're going to have a battle. There are those amongst us who are committed to peacemaking, as you call it, and um, keeping, the, um, keeping relationships intact, but in a different form. Right. Statistically, around the world, the movement is definitely away from fighting in court. There are many reasons to stay out of court. Um, I personally do not understand why a couple or one of the spouses would choose to empower a total stranger to make decisions about how the family is going to live their lives. The people who know the most about the family are the couple themselves. They may need help understanding what the, the law is, what is available, what processes are available, ways to resolve various issues. They may not be equipped to do it themselves, but um, that doesn't mean that they should empower a stranger uh, to make the decisions for them. So I encourage clients and uh, anybody I know to stay out of court, make the decision yourself, um, I know that the laws in Australia are being revisited, the family laws, and staying out of court is encouraged. In Florida, as part of the Collaborative Law Process Act, it states that the, the public policy of Florida is to resolve disputes quickly and to stay out of court, resolve your, your pending litigation as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, we, um, I, I have a firm belief that court's a place of last resort. There are some matters where people will engage in conduct where they're, they're choosing conflict because of what they're doing. Um, they might be um, doing things with assets that they shouldn't be or taking children away from another parent. And in those cases, that is where we need the judges. But, but most cases don't. Uh, what we're finding here, Bob, with the COVID-19 situation is that the court is saying, look, we're having to change our processes. We're doing things differently. There's a whole page on the court website about how to conduct virtual um, court hearings, which is interesting. Right. We're doing more things by phone. We're not going to the courthouse at all. And what the court is doing now is saying all the matters that are coming up to trial, we're not going to get to you. We already had delays of two to three years in our system. It's inevitable that those will blow out. So the court's now done two things. They've said, pending cases that are, are ready for trial or approaching trial, we're going to pretty much force you into mediation. Uh, we really want to, to make you do that because otherwise you're stuck. But they've also uh, formalised some more arrangements for arbitration, which is, it's, uh, it's a dispute. I know there's a lot of um, debate around arbitration, whether it's a dispute resolution model, whether it's quasi-litigation, but to me, anything that gets people out of the court system so that they can move on with their lives, um, if they simply can't make a decision after they've tried all the other dispute resolution methods, then something that gets them out of the court system and on with their lives, I see as being a positive. Right. You have almost no control when you are in court because 
I can't say how the court system is in Australia, but in the United States and vir virtually everywhere in, the, in this country, courts are under, under um, funded, they're understaffed. And so it's very difficult to get um, hearings and trials if you have, a, have to go to trial and it's a complicated matter and a lot of exhibits and testimony is going to be presented. It could t easily take you a year just to schedule the trial let alone prepare for uh, getting ready for the trial. So in alternative dispute resolution methods, um, you control your own destiny. You can have more control over the timing. Um, it's private. Uh, I know in the United States, the courts are completely open. So when someone files something in court, it's open to everyone. I, I received something from you last week about um, a couple here in Miami that had been divorced. The wife, the former wife is an emergency room doctor. The husband went into court on an emergency basis and a judge, a sort of a, not the real assigned judge, entered an order that took the child away from the parent, the, the mother. Um, an appellate court has stayed that decision, putting a pause on it, but you heard about it in Australia. Yeah. This is a couple in Miami, and I saw on television a news crew at the mother's house video, videoing the mother holding the child. The child's face was, was distorted, so you couldn't see her, but all of this child's friends are going to know about what happened to her in court. Yeah. This poor child is going to be affected by this trauma for the rest of her life. And unfortunately, some couples don't think about the effect on their child. And if you yeah. stay out of court, it's a private process and that's minimizing the exposure and the trauma to your child. Uh in the guidelines that we received from the court for the virtual hearings, they're still having open court. So Bob, if, if you want to watch one of our Australian court hearings, all you have to do is contact the associate before 8.30 in the morning and you can virtually watch that hearing, which is, uh, it's, um, it's, it's a new world we're living in. But you talked about trauma and I'd like to circle back to our conversation about hope and, and trauma and, uh, the impact that um, that a divorce and a contentious divorce, as well as the coronavirus, can have on people. And talk for a minute about an amygdala hijack, because I feel like we're seeing a lot more of those. And it, it's a term we're used to using as lawyers, although this isn't a very lawyery conversation when we're talking about hope. Um, no. But we're, we're used to um, discussing the amygdala, but our listeners might not be. So can you talk in your, in your language what an amygdala hijack is? So there is a huge amount of science about the brain, the functioning of our brain. The amygdala is the part of the brain that basically controls the fight or flight um, reaction to a threat. And very often, when someone's in the midst of a divorce, they're not reacting rationally. They're, they don't even have the time to think about acting react, uh, rationally because they're just reacting. And if someone says something 
bad or it's threatening, right away their, their defenses are up and they may be lashing out and maybe saying things that are inappropriate. Um, maybe that's happening in front of a child. And oftentimes when you look back on having gone through that amygdala hijack, you, you, re um, you regret having gone through that. It is human nature to go through it, but with a lot of work, and it does take work, you can have more of a control over your reaction to situations. I can certainly do a much better job of controlling my reaction to situations, but since I stopped litigating, I know that I have better control. I'm not putting myself in that situation of there being a threat of not knowing what a judge is going to do, of having to listen to attorneys make misrepresentations to a judge and knowing that they're a misrepresentation. Um, so if you have an empathetic at attorney representing you, that attorney is going to help you get through this process, will understand that you're going to go through periods where you are not necessarily reacting rationally, not even necessarily in your best interest. You're reacting because it's a human reaction. And that a good attorney, such as yourself, are going to be able to steer the client in a different direction, calm them down, let them understand what's going on, give them a moment to process and talk about, okay, right, let's, let's discuss what you're going through. What is the threat that you're perceiving? Let's talk about what the threat is. Is it real? Is it perceived? And how can we do something to minimize the effect of that threat? And my, my belief is that attorneys who understand this and focus on it are much more effective in helping couples get through uh, the, the traumatic divorce situation. But one of the things that I find myself constantly recommending to clients to prevent the amygdala hijack um, in, in their own circumstances is when you're separating, get a new email address. Give that email address to the people that you want to hear from frequently. Your lawyer, obviously, uh, but your parents, your, your family, your friends. Don't give that email address to your former partner because uh, what can happen is if you're checking your emails, you want to read the stuff that makes you feel happy. Like, like when you open social media, you want, a, you want a bit of happiness at the beginning of the day. What you don't want is to open it and wonder, is there going to be an email from my ex and you get that sharp intake of breath, that anxiety starting to flood if the correspondence is a little tense. So I say, look, self-help, let's get a new email address. So you've got a clean email address that you know you can open that and, and you're not going to have any of that nastiness there. The other email address, save that for the bills and the communication with the ex so that when you're in the right frame of mind, you open that one and you don't have that constant state of, is there a threat every single time you go to check your email? I find that small things like that can have big impacts on people and their functioning. That's a very good idea. Um, I think I'm going to use that. Um, I see clients, friends and relatives in this situation where the spouse or ex-spouse is emailing them, threatening them, 
Um, and I know that the person is rational, but that they're going through the amygdala hijack. They're, they're reacting and they try not to react, but they still wind up reacting. And so I try to calm them down, um, as I know you do as well, um, to help them react more rationally. And you don't have to react to everything. You don't even have to respond to everything that a spouse or a former spouse sends to you. You can ignore it. Exactly. You can't choose uh, how someone uh, reacts or treats you, but you can choose how you respond or react. Uh, not always if the amygdala kicks in, but it's our job, I feel, as lawyers to help people understand you can put that one aside. You don't have to, that's designed to make you feel undermined and to question your own judgment or the judgment of your lawyer. And, and that's exactly what it's designed to do. So let's not dignify it with a response. I've said that to a client just this week. Don't dignify that email with a response. Uh, it, it was a bullying email. So, um, so in terms of the amygdala hijack and, and the things that people can do, um, you sent me through a quote from uh, Jerome Groupman, I hope I've um, pronounced his name correctly, from uh, The Anatomy of Hope, How People Prevail in the Face of Illness. I thought I might just read this out. Researchers are learning that a change in mindset has the power to alter neurochemistry. Belief and expectation, the key elements of hope, can block pain by releasing the brain's endorphins and encephalins, mimicking the effects of morphine. In some cases, hope can also have important effects on fundamental physiological processes like respiration, circulation, and motor function. That's a, that's a pretty big statement. Right, it is indeed. Um, and that would be consistent with meditation as well. Um, being able to control your, your body, your breathing, and your, funct your functioning and just calm down in the face of a threat um, is beneficial to you physically and there's science behind it proving it. And, and obviously, well, it's obvious to me, but um, obviously the more stress you feel, the more damage you're doing to your body. Um, it's affecting your heart, it's affecting your stomach, um, your muscles, you tense up and if you can relax and put it aside and that's it's all related to hope because if you have this positive feeling about the future you're going to physically feel calmer and you're going to be able to react better to situations and know that there are bumps in the road it doesn't mean that your car is going to break down it just means it's a bump in the road so go around it go over it get past it and move on to a smoother road Bob, in the very first podcast that I did with Leanne Bamford, who is a social worker, we talked about um, practical things that people can do in the moment of that amygdala hijack. And it was also in the materials that you sent me. And deep breathing is a really, really simple thing we can do. There's no special equipment we need to do. And you can do it in the moment without anyone even seeing that you're doing it. And it's amazing the power that taking a few deep breaths can actually have to, to calm down that amygdala hijack, to calm down the limbic system. Um, so that's something that people can do in the moment um, when they're feeling that, that everything's being overtaken and they've lost that 
capacity for rational thought and they feel threatened. But outside of that, when people aren't in that situation and they're capable of rational thought, there's some other things that we can do to improve our well-being and generate hope when we can think more rationally. And, and you've talked about some of those things, mindfulness, meditation, are those things that you practice yourself? Right. Yes. And it, it's a physical benefit. Um, I also try, instead of immediately reacting to a challenge, so to speak, um, being in an argument with somebody, instead of defending my position, if you will, take a moment. Say, let me think about that. Give yourself time to process. Let me think about it and get back to you. Um, something like that so that your, your initial emotional reaction will not overtake your rational thinking. And the more we can do to calm ourselves and think rationally, then the better decisions we're going to make moving forward. And I really think the better relationships we're going to have with everybody. Um, when, I, when I was young, I used to call myself a, an angry young man. This is like from junior high school into college. Um, and I'm the product of divorced parents. And that obviously had an effect upon me. It took me a while, to a, while, a number of years to realize that and to deal better with those stresses. And um, I think it's a lifetime task and we're all trying to do better at things. Um, and so I continue to work on that as I urge my clients to do as well. Yeah, I think that's an important point, Bob, is that this isn't suddenly, oh good, I'm gonna start doing this. It, it, you know, it's a bit like parenting. You have good days and you have bad days. And when you were talking then I was minded of one of the seven habits that Stephen Covey speaks of, which is separating the stimulus from the response. And that's taken from a quote from Viktor Frankl, the words of which I, I can't remember right now, but it talks about between the stimulus and the response, there's a pause. And it's in that pause that you have the opportunity to really make good decisions, to, to reflect on what you're going to do. We don't have to have what we call in Australia knee-jerk reactions. I'm not sure if that's a phrase you use. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, knee-jerk reactions uh, don't end up making good decisions. Um, and right. another quote that you had in your um, paper was, hopeful leaders get rid of clumsy obstacles and processes that get in the way of success. Leaders making knee-jerk reactions don't make good decisions. Leaders right. who have hope and are projecting towards a bright future rather than just dealing with the now and being reactive are going to be the ones that help us through this current situation. And I think it's the same with um, lawyers, mediators and clients. If you're taking um, an approach where you're looking at a hopeful future rather than just um, dealing with the current crisis now and feeling like we're never going to get out of this, then it makes a very di big difference to what the way that you experience your divorce and, and how you'll end up at the end of it. Right. I am constantly telling my clients, you will get through this. You will have a bright future. 
don't beat yourself up. We have a tendency, we humans, to um, sometimes beat ourselves up for making mistakes or regretting the past. We cannot change the past. We can create a better future. And so focus on that future. Focus on having a hopeful future. Have confidence in yourself to move forward and know that whatever this process is that you're going through and dissolving a relationship, you can get through it. You will be okay. Let's try and create the best possible scenario for your future. And that works very well for my clients. Uh, as the proverb says, just when the caterpillar thought the world was over, it became a butterfly. That's right, right? Yeah. Things may look very dim now, but they will be good. I had a client who was absolutely destroyed by her husband uh, wanting to dissolve the marriage. And she was a basket case coming in to see me. Um, by the time we got finished, she was so grateful and, and at peace with herself and confident in her future. She bought me a box full of special socks and she had a special message that went with every one of the pairs of socks. It was great to see her transformation. And as I know you probably feel as well, if we can help a client go through this process and feel good about themselves, and good about their future, we have really done a wonderful thing as opposed to just going into court and arguing and it's money and dollars and time with children and that's it. I don't believe in that. I believe in the whole person. Let's try and help create the best possible whole person moving forward. Absolutely. Well, Bob, thank you very much for your time. I know it's late for you there. It's early for me here, uh, but I really appreciate the insights that you shared with us today. My pleasure. It's always good to see you and you're doing a great thing for uh, your community and uh, potential clients. Um, I wish you and your clients the best of luck. Thank you, Bob.